This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. one 800 913 this, this is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. We are back once again for the bonfire. You guys come here for the important stuff because you know, and I know, you can get politics anywhere. There are plenty of other people in this world to talk about it, but not here. So thank you. Thank you for agreeing with me and choosing to put politics aside for a little bit you know, the next half hour, and we can get right to it. The movie Ocean's Eleven. Yes, no, not the original with Dean Martin back in the, I think, 60s. I still need to see that. I haven't seen that yet. But ever since I was a little kid, I saw Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, and I thought that was the original. It isn't. But it's still a great movie. And I am on the line right now between... Uh, four out of five and five out of five for Ocean's Eleven. You know, on the bonfire scale, I I'm hesitant to give it a five out of five because I'm trying to be a little more picky about you know being tempted to give a movie or a documentary a five out of five. I think that should be rare. You know, I do really enjoy Ocean's Eleven, and I'll play the trailer here quickly, but it's probably a four four and a half. It's pretty up there. You know, it's the solid movie and I saw it once again you know the other night um, and I, it's always a classic to just go back to if you're in the mood for some witty humor excellent writing and an interesting story and filled with great actors and big name actors then I think this is the movie for you and it came out in 2001 I believe so that is already 16 years old 16 years ago I can't believe it that just uh, it baffles the mind because I saw it, I think, just a few years after it came out. So I remember being a little kid watching it and thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, This is so complicated. I need to watch it several times because I can't keep up. And hell, sometimes I still watch it now and I try to pick up on all the little shifts and swaps and underhanded schemes and everything that goes into this movie. And, you know, in case you don't know what it is here, let me go ahead and just play the trailer and then you can get a feel for it yourself. Be wary, though. This trailer, I think, is really goofy. You can just tell... It was from the late 90s, early 1000s. It's got that feel, and <laughs> I think you'll know exactly what I mean when I play it. It's never been done before. What's the target? When was the last time you were in Vegas? You want to knock over a casino? Three casinos? Vegas, huh? Vegas? Vegas. Fantastic. The heist is impossible. Casino security cannot be beaten. You're out of your minds. Exactly. 
You are up to something, Danny. What? You're pulling a job, aren't you? You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. You're gonna need a crew as nuts as you are. Who do you got in mind? Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Say we get down the elevator we can't move, and past the guards with the guns, and into the vault we can't open. We're just supposed to walk out of there with $150 million in cash? Yeah. Oh. But these guys, that is the sexiest thing I have ever seen, are just crazy enough. You'd need at least a dozen guys doing a combination of cons. Do you understand any of this? I'll explain later. To pull off the con. Someone call for a doctor? Of the century. We're set. We're set. We're set. Do it already. Why don't you check the batteries? Congratulations, you're a dead man. George Clooney, Matt Damon, Andy Garcia, Brad Pitt, and Julia Roberts. Why do this? Why not do it? From the Academy Award-winning director of Traffic and Erin Brockovich. Because a house takes you, unless when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. I've been practicing this speech a little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. That was good. It. I liked it. Ocean's Eleven. You're either in or you're out. I'm staying in. Ocean's Eleven, George Clooney. He just has that nasally weird voice. Sorry, you do. That's just a fact. And on top of that, cheesy music, terrible editing. <laughs> that is a terrible trailer. <laughs> that does not accurately portray the movie at all, whatsoever. But that being said, this is a four out of five. At least a four out of five on the bonfire scale for several reasons. One, excellent writing. When you listen to the script, you know, the screenplay, the actors, the characters, talking to themselves and with one another, it's just great language. The sentences are real sentences. They're not slang. They're not misunderstood. They're intelligent thoughts. And so it makes, it pulls you into the movie to think, all right, well, let me understand what he just said. And sometimes they mumble. Yes, I'll give you that. And the music, the, you know, the levels between the sound, the music, and their voices sometimes is butchered. Brad Pitt likes to be really quiet sometimes to try to make his point. And even Julia Roberts, she's quiet, but they've managed to make her audible in the movie. Sometimes Brad Pitt, I have a hard time understanding what he says. I think, ugh, okay, well. So sometimes you'll need to turn on the subtitles. But the actual words, the screenplay, I think is very well written. And when they explain why they're doing what they're doing and how they can get around certain safety measures and, you know, uh, security guards. They explain just, it's in a very succinct, clear way. And you think, wow, that was a good, that was just a great sentence. It, it, it flowed. It was clean and clear, easily understood. It wasn't like the movie Transformers, the second one, the second movie. They tried it to make it just too hip, too cultural <laughs> and appealing to like the tween this movie is not for tweens. This actually requires someone to care about language, something that's well-written, that took time and effort to piece together into a, a coherent story. And as far as I can still tell, the movie is mostly coherent. You know, when they're trying to con Vegas and the casinos, it makes sense. The way they say, well, we should do this to solve that problem. And then this over here, if this arises, we can do this. I like the plan. It, it makes sense. They didn't... 
The director and the writers did not half-ass this, as far as I can tell. That's why I enjoyed it. And then the, the actors. I like Matt Damon, George Clooney, Brad Pitt. Again, like I've said before, politics aside, as always, here on Bonfire, they're just great actors. I think they're fun. They're enjoyable. And they you can tell they just had fun making this movie. You can see that in movies where you're like, wow, that you just you were terrible in that movie. You must have signed on because you lost a bet and then you had to perform in that movie. Other movies, they think, wow, this is a great opportunity and I can't wait to act in it. And it comes through in their work. I enjoyed that. I think everybody here, the 11 actors here, main characters, really enjoyed one another's company and putting it all together. The music, um, just like many movies that I thoroughly enjoy, I get the soundtracks and I listen to them later while I'm reading or while I'm driving, whatever, doesn't matter. I love the soundtracks of movies, my favorite movies. This is one of them. Great music. It's classy, but got some later, you know, more relevant um, contemporary music, but it laced it all together, I thought, very well into the movie. And action, you know, it's it's a caper. It's a, a heist. That's fun. It's it makes you think. Not just simple shoot 'em up, blowing up Transformers. There's there's a place for that. You know, those those can be fun. But this is not what that movie is. Not lots of explosions and guns and cheap thrills. These they make you think. Just like I will say in the movie The Prestige. It makes you think. That's exciting. There's not lots of explosions and super action blowing up in your face. Okay. No, but you can still be pulled in and sucked into a movie by its script, its originality. Uh, so even though, yes, this is a remake of a movie made decades ago, it still was very well done. I've not seen the original, but I will. And there you have it. Great acting. I like the actors themselves, the music, the originality, the way it is written, how it's written, and how many caper movies and heist movies can you think of that were just fun? You know, they weren't super dark, and they weren't trying to pit the cops versus the people trying to steal the money, and it's, you know, best I can come up with is the taking of Pelham 123. That wasn't really a heist. As far as I can remember, I saw it in theaters, thought it was terrible. Uh, what else kind of movie is there? Hmm. Nothing really comes to mind. I can't think of a whole lot of movies that would fall in this genre of kind of an action comedy about stealing. Most other movies I can think about stealing either have cheap thrills, lots of explosions, bottom of the barrel entertainment, or they're just super dark. This one's not. It's funny. I think it's lighthearted. You're on the side of the people stealing the money, but you're also not on the side of the casino guy either. So you're just here to just watch the movie, enjoy it for its creativity, for the characters finding a way to rip off the casino. And I think for those of us who have gone gambling, we'd like to say, you know what? I would love to see the casino lose once. Just once. <laughs> and lose big time since you always take my money. Every damn time. I don't know what else to tell you. But there you have it. On the other side, I'm going to get into my Vegas experience that I actually had just a couple weeks ago. This is The Bonfire. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. About two to three weeks ago, I went to Vegas for a bachelor party for one of my friends who's getting married. And it was, there was only five of us guys, and we got two rooms at the Mirage. So we decided to stay right on the strip so that we could be amongst all the huge, super wealthy and popular uh, casino, casino hotels. They are resorts. You go to Vegas, not just to gamble. Many people wondered, Andrew, why are you going to Vegas? What is this bachelor party? Who are you? You, you know, that's not what you do. You, you go to Vegas if you want to get laid and you want to lose all your money and just get drunk. Okay. Are there people there who do that? Absolutely. But that happens everywhere. Okay. Let's be realistic here. You could fly to San Francisco and get laid if you want. Okay. Whatever. Just, you got stupid people everywhere. Absolutely. Vegas. Yes. Its nickname is Sin City. <laughs> okay. But that's not what we go for. And this was the first time I went as an adult. I went once when I was probably 11 years old and I went to a Star Trek convention. All right. You know, judge me, whatever you want. But I enjoyed it when I was a kid. As an adult now, what did I go there for? I went there for the food, the drink, and the gambling. I am not a gambler because I live in Texas and there are no casinos here. You could drive up to Oklahoma and gamble, but I don't because I just, I really don't care that much. It's rare once a year at the most that I've actually gone gambling since I graduated college. So it is not by any means a regular or a serious temptation of mine. So to say, hey, I've now been to Vegas as an adult I went to several different casinos, just walked in, and then started gambling. Yes, I lost all my money, but now that's a story. That's an experience. I mean, I got to do it with some of my best friends, saying, hey, we all got to go there together. Have a very great weekend. It was two days, actually. Super quick. Fly in, start gambling, drinking, eating, and then fly out. That was it. Didn't go to any shows because we didn't care. We didn't want to pay for them. We just said, look, we brought money to gamble, and we got money for the food. And, of course, you know, the hotel. (laughs) But... That was enough. It was enough to just go to this iconic city, walk on that strip, the famous strip that has all these huge casinos that you think, this is insane. These things actually exist. This is a city that was built around gambling and casinos and big lofty resorts filled with everything you could possibly imagine. So it's just a unique experience to at least go there once and see these hotels for yourself. You don't have to gamble. One of us actually didn't even gamble. I think he maybe bet $25 on the last night we were there just so he could say, you know what? I have now officially gambled in Vegas. Okay. Then don't go there to gamble. Don't go there to get laid and be an idiot. Go there to just see these beautiful hotels, which they are. They have pools. If you go there during the summer, you can go swimming. You can stay in these hotels and you can have this Vegas experience where it's warm. It's, yeah, I wouldn't call it tropical, but it's not freaking cold. And if you know me, you know I don't care for the cold. So it was naturally a good, quick weekend trip to say, hey, everybody else has done it, right? Well, if you do things in moderation, then it's fine. You can go to Vegas and enjoy yourself and not be an animal, not be an idiot. And we didn't. I mean, I lost my money, like I said, so I I feel like an idiot in that sense. But I can now consider myself a high roller as well because I've gambled in Tucson, Arizona, and Biloxi, I think, Mississippi, and somewhere else, I'm sure. I'm blanking right now Oklahoma so but those aren't that's a story worth sharing with the world like hey I've gambled in Oklahoma okay who cares Oklahoma doesn't even care but when you can say now that you've been to Vegas stayed in those hotels seen them for yourself wandered around got lost ate food drank and lost a little bit of money you'd say all right well that was worth the experience the whole point of it was to just be here and I budgeted enough money 
for my gambling that, okay, worst case scenario, I lose all this. How much am I willing to lose and be okay with? If you try to stick to a budget and then you lose that money, well, then you should still be fine. You'd say, great, well, I, I accounted for this. I'm good to go. The only danger, of course, is don't get sucked into thinking, well, let me just take out a little bit more money and then I could probably win everything back that I already lost. No, the more you take out, you're just going to lose. I That's been my experience for years. The few times I've been to casinos around the States, whenever I've been like, I'm going to go back to the bank and take out another 50 bucks, another 100 bucks, whatever. I usually always lose that. Every single time I've been to a casino, I've lost my money except once where I broke even and that was it. I thought, wow, that was lucky. (laughs) And then I walked out feeling like a millionaire, feeling like a million bucks because I broke even. What is that? (laughs) What is that? Uh, It's stupid is what it is, but it's fun, makes for a good story and you move on with your life. You know, that's just my two cents. My two cents on the Vegas experience. Uh, Yeah, check it out yourself. It's worth at least one try. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Medical marijuana has amazing possibilities for people who are dealing with things like MS and people taking chemo. I've seen it work in both cases and do remarkable things. Recreationally, I'm still not on the go train. I don't care how much money you think it'll bring in tax dollars. I don't want to be on the highway worried about DWS, driving while stoned. Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. A quick, uh, like, opinion piece here. I found an article online last week, something that was called the three-day rule. And what does it have to do with? It has to do with money. So that's appropriate now, after talking about Vegas, losing my money there. If you apply this principle that this uh, girl wrote, uh, her name is Jamie, looks like it says Rappaport. That sounds like a fake name, but coming from her, supposedly, she says, here is a three-day rule. What is the three-day rule? You should wait three days before purchasing whatever it is that's on your mind, and then you should only buy it if it's still on your mind three days later. So you're giving yourself some breathing room. Don't go to the store. Don't go to the mall and travel the world wherever you are and be like, oh my gosh, I need to get this. That We can all easily fall into that and just be consumed with buying something. And get carried away emotionally thinking, oh, it'd be great if I had this thing. Well, she is suggesting sit on that for three days. Three days. And if you're still kind of hooked on it and you can't can't not have it, okay, then maybe it's okay for you to buy. Obviously, if you can afford it. The point being, just slow down. Have some delayed gratification. If it is truly something you want, then waiting three more days is doable. You can do it. And if it comes three days later and you decide, wow, you know what? Never mind. I really don't care. Look at you. You just saved some money. She said this made a huge difference in her finances and how she was able to start living, not paycheck to paycheck anymore, but actually putting some aside for savings, being more responsible with her money. And let's face it, we could all be more responsible with our money. Like I said, we're human. We want to spend it. We want to do stupid things. It's just what we do. But if you admit that to yourself and you know that, you can put in place some of these measures that... You can remind yourself and help control yourself. And then you share it with others. And you could say, hey, if we all do this together, can you imagine savings and the stupid things we won't buy anymore and fill the world up with crap? And it's just, 
There's definitely too much stuff in the world, for sure. Do we need many of these things? No, we're just, some of us are just so bored and we think, well, I have all this money, what am I supposed to do with it? Gee, I don't know, maybe you should put it away in savings and then you can have some of that delayed gratification later in life when you're going to need it, when you can't work. But no, it's too easy for us to just buy crap right here, right now. So this three-day rule is about waiting. Be patient. Calm down. <laughs> take it easy. And save your money. So let's think twice before we just take out our wallet and jump all over something. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is The Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The D-Block, you've made it all the way here. Luckily, you're still listening. I appreciate it. I really do. Because Bonfire wants to talk about Selena Gomez. (laughs) Hold on. I want to talk about how... She's not a huge fan of Instagram. Why does that matter? Because, hold on, let me just quote her real quickly. In an article on The Verge that says, Instagram's most followed user doesn't like Instagram. It's kind of ironic. She says, look, as soon as I became the most followed person on Instagram, I sort of freaked out. It becomes so consuming to me. It's what I woke up to and went to sleep to. I was an addict, and it felt like I was seeing things I didn't want to see, like it was putting things in my head that I didn't want to care about. I always end up feeling like crap when I look at Instagram, which is why I'm kind of under the radar ghosting it a bit. So that was what she said earlier this week, I believe. Her point being, look, oh my gosh, um, I'm the most followed person on Instagram with, what does it say, looks like 113 million followers. That is 20% of the Instagram base. 20% of all Instagram users follow Selena Gomez. And now I believe someone else runs her account. But here's what she was saying. When she had control of it, and you have that much influence and power, which you do, don't, don't, don't mistake that. She said, this became, I became an addict. It was the only thing I cared about. And it was what I woke up to and went to sleep to. And I've mentioned this before on the show where it's that sort of, that tech buzz that's just in your head it's constantly gnawing at you you feel like oh my god i need to check my instagram snapchat facebook twitter everything else i need to update i need to share i need to start sharing my opinion that really wears you down at the end of the day you think what am i doing um maybe pick one of those that you think i really enjoy this social platform because i do enjoy telling this story or being this kind of person or asking questions whatever but do we need to be all over everything no so even selena gomez an actress you think someone who's used to being in the spotlight when she says, okay, ooh, man, I got all these people following me. Now I'm really freaking out. I'm an addict. It felt like I was seeing things I didn't want to see. Like it was putting things in my head that I didn't want to care about. Hmm. Gee, I don't know. What could that possibly mean? Probably how many likes, how many comments, how many shares she would get and how, how much that would affirm her identity, which that's what we do. Human beings always want affirmity and confirmation and feeling good about themselves I think that's why a lot of us overshare. We want to keep sharing parts of our lives and have all of these followers and friends, whatever, sort of affirm what we're doing. If we share what the hell we ate for lunch and 50 people like it, we must think, wow, I'm 
I'm just that popular. I must be important to these people that um, even I can just share what sandwich I ate. They think it's amazing. Or you try to share something, some political thought or something that is kind of deep. And then only two people like it. And you think, well, I spent all day. I spent all week working on an idea. And I really thought it was a good point. But only two people liked it. Well, then this is stupid. I'm not doing this ever again. I'm an idiot. That is the power of social media. That's how quickly and easily it can get you down. Or pick you up and make you delusional. So here you have the most popular person on Instagram saying, I'm not a huge fan of it. You know, I'm going to try to stick away from it. I always ended up feeling like crap. When I look at Instagram, hmm. that plays into something else where the average person, which she's not, the average person, like one of us, will be on Instagram and we start scrolling through the feed. We'll see all these great pictures. People do put a lot of time and effort into framing the great shot and finding the perfect body <laughs> to put in front of it and say things like hashtag success, hashtag live in the good life. Sometimes that makes us feel like crap. We think, well, what the hell? Why is this person able to do it? And I can't. That's not fair. Or, you know, hmm, I'm just an idiot. I must not be good enough. And then you start to get down on yourself. Or you just get jealous. Like, maybe we should really rethink some of this social media that we're doing and how it could be affecting us. I'm not saying this is a hardcore fact. There just seems to be a common thread through a lot of these stories and books and articles that say things like, yeah, of course it can get you down. Human beings want affirmation. And so we start to obsess over it. And then we stick our faces in our phones all day. And that's it. Is that really the healthiest thing for us as a human being? Well, that's up for debate. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to tell you that you're stupid or something for using social media. I still do. I use it for bonfire, okay? I still have a bonfire Instagram, but I don't use it nearly as often as I used to. Why? Because I deleted it off my phone. I thought, is this the most important thing to me? No. I'd rather focus on writing and focus on the podcast and trying to become a better host, finding more interesting topics, maybe one day even getting guests, okay? There's enough on my plate that I don't have to find pictures throughout my day to feel like I need to share with the world. And then when they don't like it, I feel like trash. That's that's stupid. I shouldn't be getting confirmation and feel-good feelings from strangers and even friends on my phone. That's just That's a choice I'm trying to make myself. Is it easy? No. Sometimes it's easy just to revert back to the phone and say, look, I'm just going to bury my face in this for a little bit. And then I can put aside the real problems of life. Whatever. Here I am on my rant. My usual soapbox, as my girlfriend does like to bring up to me, like, well, there's your soapbox again. Yep, I know. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, my girlfriend does not sound at all like that. <laughs> How else am I supposed to make you know, hey, I'm referring to her because I can't use my normal voice. It's a normal deep voice. That's just not going to work. So I have to have this one if I'm trying to imitate her. Does she really sound that way? No. But it's funny. I think it's funny. And when she tries to irritate me, she just goes, uh, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> we can all laugh at that. We can have fun with that. I just, we should all lighten the hell up. Okay. Social media is not the most important thing in the world. As Selena Gomez says, there are more important things in life. Like watching a good movie. Seriously. Watch a good movie. Tune out the world for a couple hours in a movie. You're, at least you're getting a story. Something that was made and took time and effort, ideally. Rather than just someone who took a quickie picture or a stupid 140 character post on Twitter. Find some deeper forms of entertainment. There's nothing wrong with entertainment, okay? That's why you're listening to Bonfire. That's what we're all about here, okay? Just, it's all about that balance. Finding deeper, more enjoyable, interesting forms of entertainment. 
flying to Vegas for a quick weekend just for fun to say, hey, now I've done it. I've seen the world. I've, I've traveled to Vegas. I've now been to Massachusetts. I've been to California. I've been to Colorado. I've been to Mexico. Do something with your money <laughs> and do something with your time. Do something with yourself. All right. Let's try to pick each other up. That's all I'm saying. And we can do that through culture and fun and entertainment. Okay. Be a joyful person for God's sake. I'm now done. Soapbox is over. Andrew Herzog out. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs>